Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Are you tired of investing your time and your energy into relationships that go nowhere and you know deep down the common denominator is you? You have awareness that whatever you're doing right now in relationships is not working, it's not serving you, and you are ready to take ownership of this area of your life and finally learn how to embody a securely attached, confident woman who can attract a great relationship. If that's you, I have a very special invitation I want to invite you to apply to the Empowered, Secure, and Loved program. This is a program designed to help you no matter your attachment style, no matter your relationship past, it will help you move to secure attachment so that you can show up confident, you can communicate well, you can navigate any kind of conflict, and you can create that relationship that you've always wanted while simultaneously having high self-worth and high levels of self-love. If that's you and you know that in 2022, you are ready for a great relationship and you're committed to getting there, I want to personally invite you to apply to the ESL program Use the link in my Instagram bio. On Instagram, it's at Dr. Morgan Coaching, DR Morgan Coaching. And the link is also in the show notes. Spots are extremely limited. So go apply now to reserve your spot and start your journey to high self worth and great relationships. Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. I'm so excited. We have a very special guest with us today. And we're going to be talking all about sex. And obviously, since we are promoting vulnerability on this podcast, let's get vulnerable. We just want to talk about everything. And sex is such an important part of a relationship. So I brought an incredible guest expert on the podcast. We have Dr. Tara. And Tara, I'm going to have you introduce yourself and tell us your last name because I know I'm not going to pronounce it correctly. <laughs> I do go by Dr. Tara, so no okay. no need for last name, but it's Dr. Tara Suin Yati Chai Porn. Uh, I'm originally from Thailand, so like long last names kind of out thing. I love it. I was <laughs> I, I love it. It's like you're never going to see that again. So anyways, <laughs> it's beautiful and I just knew I wouldn't pronounce it. So thank you. Um, so excited to have you and it would be great just to give the audience a little bit of background on you. And I would be so curious to hear your story of what, what brought you to this field and this interest. Oh yeah. Uh, Thanks for having me, by the way. Um, I'd say short, short, short version, a long version. (laughs) 
Well, we have a lot to talk about, so we'll do we'll do the short version today. All right. Well, I mean, to me, like millions of people, I was kind of never really uh, satisfied, fully satisfied with my sex life in my twenties. Um, took a while for me to get here. I grew up in Thailand, a sexually conservative environment. We didn't have sex ed. My parents never talked to me about sex. Uh, but I was always curious, and I remember uh, trying to, you know, download porn with like our dial-up internet. It was scary. I didn't want my parents to catch me. Um, fast forward to my time in the PhD program, which was four years. Uh, I studied communication and relationships, and I studied. Uh, with really inspiring people. Laura Guerrero did a lot of research with attachment style. Uh, Corey Floyd basically created um, affection exchange theories. I was quite inspired to learn more and research more about relationships and intimacy. Uh, Also bought my first dildo with the help of a friend in my cohort during that time. Uh, During that time, I like my, there was a, it was a moment where my friends and I were watching a lot of like sex in the city. And I just remember vividly feeling like very inspired by Samantha Jones and her like sexually unapologetic attitude. Um, And about six years ago, I started my job uh, as a relational and sexual communication professor at Cal State University Fullerton and simultaneously embarking on this journey for myself to become more sexually confident uh, and to have a fulfilling sex life and fulfilling relationship. Uh, From teaching and research, I learned that millions of people lack confidence and communication skills, which are really the key to a happy sex life. Um, So I started my coaching business, Love Bites, two years ago. And last year, I launched Love Bites by Dr. Tara podcast, in which I'm excited to have you on as a guest, Dr. Morgan. Yes. So That's kind of a short version. Yes. I so appreciate your story. And I think so many people can relate. Um, I, I love that you realized that it was an area that was important to you and that mm-hmm. through your own studies... You know, just that you were able to say, hey, this this matters for me personally. It also matters for so many people that this is this is such a part of our lives. And I think a part of relationships that just doesn't Mm -hmm. get talked about. There's still Mm -hmm. so much shame around it. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, to be able to do the work that you're doing on really empowering people with knowledge and I think it's incredibly brave. So thank you so um, much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one startling statistic that I remember learning in uh, the PhD program was uh, sexual infidelity was one of the predictors, strong predictor of divorce. And I just thought, well, you know, this is this feeds into the narrative that like almost everyone already knows, you know, you get married, you're married, maybe 10, 15, 20 years, you no longer have sex. uh, You're very unfulfilled in your relationship, you embark on this uh, infidelity journey, and then bam, uh, you're now in this myth of uh, infidelity. Like, what are you going to do? Right? I mean, like, I think uh, Esther Perel has a whole book about infidelity, like having an affair. So it is definitely a huge problem in which like a lot of people 
um, talk about like in, you know, our realm, but I don't think it's like mass knowledge. Oh, I love that we're talking about this. It's funny. I've been going back and reading all of Esther Perel's books. That's what I'm currently into. So, um, that this whole piece about if you cannot show up as your sexual self mm-hmm. in your relationship and you can't communicate honestly, mm-hmm. of course, you're going to try to have those needs met yeah. elsewhere. Yeah. So by teaching the things that you do about communicating with confidence and being able to talk about sex with your partner, yeah. you're also helping people have great relationships by, yeah. you know, helping them get their needs met within their partnership. Yes. I hope that that's uh, what, you know, people can get out of everything that I put out there, like my podcast, my social media. I hope that that's the, the, the outcome because I do think that sexual relationship within your relationship is an important part of that partnership. Um, for some, maybe not, but nevertheless should be communicated if it's not right. Absolutely. I think the, one of the problems that people have, a lot of people have is one partner doesn't prioritize sex because it's not that important to them, which is completely fine, but they don't communicate that with their partner. And it like, you know, just becomes this huge problem where like one of them explodes later. Uh, Mm -hmm. because the other person never wanted to have sex. So I think like the confidence and the communication is just, it's key. Like you have to tell them what the fuck's going on. You do. Yeah, you absolutely do. (laughs) Um, There's so much we can talk about my brain right now. I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's so (laughs) many things. (laughs) Um, But I wanted to ask you, let's say, so we have a lot of women who listen to the Mm -hmm. podcast. We do have some male listeners, shout out to the male listeners, (laughs) but um, let's just say that you've never really been comfortable talking about sex. Maybe you've never been able to communicate your sexual Mm -hmm. preferences with your partner where do you start with people? How do they start to build that confidence to mm-hmm. be able to, to learn how to communicate? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I work with uh, a lot of women and also like my students in college, they're, you know, in their early twenties, most of them are quite unconfident when it comes to sex and talking about it. So that's kind of like my, like my market. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's important to first understand why we're so freaking uncomfortable. Uh, I was sexually anxious for the longest time. I literally just came out of it maybe like five years ago. So I had sat with this like uncomfortability for a long time and anxiousness about sex and bringing it up in my relationship. Uh, So I think first is just to understand it's okay. If you're currently feeling uncomfortable, unconfident, Uh, about sex and about talking about sex because we have been on this streak of hundreds of years of female sexual suppression, right? Like, I mean, in 1800s, they literally want you to eat crackers because you have clitoral orgasm. Like, you know, it was like female pleasure has never been prioritized ever. 
until、mm. like now we're talking more about pleasure, about you know having a fulfilling sex life for females as well. So、mm. yeah, like first to understand it's okay where you are.、Uh, there's so many <laughs> reasons, historical reasons as well to explain why you feel this way right now,、um, and I think that's like a piece of like mind. To have, and then I would say the first step is to start journaling.、Uh, I think, do you journal too? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just laughing because I totally tell my clients to really start there as well when、yeah. they're when they're just learning how to express what they want in a relationship.、Mm-hmm. Because I think you and I are on the same page. You have to know what you want before you can communicate it to somebody. Totally, totally, and I mean, like you know. There's so many people say things like, "Oh, you can just yeah, try different positions, like try buy new toys. Like those things are good, but the first thing is self knowledge. You can have a hundred pieces of toys. You can know like every position in the Kama Sutra. You're not gonna have a fulfilling sex life because." The first step of having a fulfilling sex life is self knowledge. Do、mm-hmm. you know what turns you on? Do you know when you feel aroused? What contexts allow you to feel aroused? What、um, touches ar- allow you to feel aroused? Like, what are some of the things that only you know about yourself, so that you can communicate to your partner? Right? There's nothing to talk about unless you know what to talk about. So journaling is great. Like your thoughts about sex, your thoughts about your own desires and arousal. Maybe if you have concerns, if you feel like not a lot of things arouse you, write that down.、Uh, you know, kind of probe within yourself. Like, what are some of the things that you can think about when it comes to sex and desire and arousal and satisfaction? Start writing from there, and then、um, start doing what is called pleasure mapping. Which is feeling every part of your body, but maybe even more so the erogenous zones, which is like scientifically proven zones that tend to create arousal. Feel your body when, when maybe when you masturbate. Feel your body and pleasure map, like map your body. What feels good? Because from that little, you know. Playful session with yourself. You can learn what feels good for you. Then you can write those down,、um, and then you'll feel a little bit more confident next time to bring it up to your partner because you know what to say, right? Of course, a lot of people don't know what to say because they haven't explored within themselves yet. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then once you're going into The conversation. What would you advise? When or how are you structuring this conversation、uh-huh. with your partner? Yeah,、uh, there's really. I highly, strongly encourage people to have a sex talk or a sexy check-in early in their relationship.、Uh, I think it's necessary because、uh, too many times when you want to have. A、uh, sex conversation—it's too late. Meaning, there's so much resentment already.、Uh, not necessarily that it's not fixable, but it's very difficult. You know, if you've been together, let's say, ten years,
and you never have sex talks once, and、uh, two people are having unsatisfying sex, like by that ten year anniversary,、mm-hmm. uh, gosh, like what can you bring up? What should you bring up first? How do you bring it up? Because it's never in the repertoire of that couple. Yes. Right. It, so, like、yes. early dating, like bring it up. You know.、Um, This reminds、up. me. I I always talk about intentionally creating relationship culture early、mm-hmm. on in early stages of dating, and I talk about you want to be able to have boundaries be part of that, and your communication and. Just being able to say this is what works for me, this is what doesn't, and obviously this sexy check-in and talking、yeah. about your sex life—that's just part of this conversation and part of that relationship culture needs to be. Yeah, we are open, honest, direct about sex. I love that. I love the yeah. Like I talk about、um, adding playfulness and sex in your relationship culture a lot. So I, I'm so glad you brought up relationship culture.、Uh, Because there are so many couples that don't have that kind of culture, where it's、mm-hmm. uh, where sex is openly talked about,、uh, where passion is,、uh, you know, enthusiastically explored, right? Like it's kind of, for the lack of a better word, like dormant,、mm-hmm. um, and that. Becomes a problem later on. It might not be in the first. Like I mean, I think research said like five years. It might not be because you're still learning about each other in the first like three to five years. But if it it's never ever talked about after five years, there's definitely something that needs to be said sexually.、Mm. Yeah, so, so powerful. Yeah. Obviously, this is another area of our lives where prevention is just so much easier. So to be proactive, to to you know embrace the early stages of a relationship with the mindset of I'm going to share what I want. I'm going to be curious about what my partner wants. Yes, and we're we're just gonna we're gonna talk about it.、Um, and you just said like the the. The right thing, curiosity. Like, are you not curious about your partner? And if maybe you're not right now, maybe it's time to start being a little curious about your partner. Yeah. Like,、uh, uh, right. how do you enjoy pleasure? What are some of the things that you do that turn yourself on? What are some of the things that I do that turn you on? Right? right, like、so、I think some of these things are not only fun to talk about over like a date night.、Uh, it's beneficial.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think so. I'm just going to share a personal story because I feel、mm-hmm. like it'll relate to this really well. Let's get well. vulnerable, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That means I have to get vulnerable too, not just my guests, right?、Um, so. One of my first serious relationships. It was a three-year relationship. My partner, of course, had some avoidant attachment strategies in the relationship,、mm. and、oh. he would not verbally say "I love you." It was just off the table for him. He would never、oh. say it. However, he made sure that we had sex every single time we saw each other.、Mm-hmm. And I know in that relationship, I created some kind of secure attachment 
to him, mm-hmm. an emotional attachment, but it was based on it was based on the physical sex. It was not actually emotionally secure. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So yeah. I think one of the pieces I've learned is that sex without an emotionally secure attachment mm-hmm. is not enjoyable for me personally. Mm-hmm. But but I had to really learn that and learn that in a relationship, I'm much better off to intentionally create emotional security mm-hmm. before I explore a sexual connection. So yeah. Now we're getting into attachment theory and oh, sex. Yeah. And I'm just curious your your thoughts on that. And I just want to acknowledge that's not the experience for everybody, but right. that's certainly my experience. I think you're on point there. I think that that's, that would resonate with uh, a lot of women and some men. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we're talking about the lack of emotional intimacy or the emotional attachment, but there is sexual attachment or sexual intimacy, um, we're, we're crossing into the realm of what is your sexual attitude. Right. So if what you were saying, your sexual attitude is relational. So you need this emotional intimacy, emotional connection, uh, healthy, secure emotional attachment before doing something that you feel very intimate. Like you're allowing someone to (laughs) enter you. (laughs) Yes. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, and all of the above, right? So for you, like that's your sexual attitude. And it's very difficult to have a fulfilling sex life if you are, for example, dating someone who has a recreational attitude. Mm-hmm. So someone that has a recreational sexual attitude, sex is fun. Sex is an activity. Sex can be fun with, I wouldn't say everyone, but like a lot of people. <laughs> that yes. initial emotional attachment, secure emotional attachment is not necessary. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of people that f- view sex as recreational. Um, and I mean, there's no right or wrong, really. It's just preference. It's and, just preference. And yeah. the, but the problem is a lot of uh, people that are opposite in sexual attitudes get together and it becomes a problem. Uh, maybe the other person pressure the other person to have sex because that's how they like intimacy. Mm-hmm. That's how they, Yeah. It's just, it's all really just preference. I do see a lot of, um, quite a few research that suggest uh, people with secure attachment style reporting higher levels of sexual satisfaction, Mm -hmm. which to me makes a lot of sense because if you were like anxiously attached, uh, you might want too much to like please your partner you might fake your orgasms because you don't want to come off as someone who's quote unquote incompetent or, you know, whatever, like false narratives that people too have. Needy. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. You don't want to ask for too much. You don't want them to go down on you too long or, you know, then like you're kind of a people pleaser. Then you might fake your satisfaction until one day you realize it's not satisfying. Yes, absolutely. So like, yeah, right. If you're anxiously let's just, attached, let's just take a moment and just acknowledge all the women out there faking orgasms. Like, 
I have been there. Yep. Um, I've been there too. Right. And knowing that I do know what you're talking about really resonates that for me, it was about pleasing my partner, yeah, making them feel good, making mm-hmm. them feel like, you know, they're very competent. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I just could not ask for what I needed. And if I'm really honest, I don't think it was until, oh gosh, my late twenties, yeah. within like the last four or five years that I was able to really ask for what I wanted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Same here. Wow. I feel like there's a parallel between our lives. Yeah. Like <laughs> the life of a, uh, the life of a, uh, you know, really the average experience of young women is they either have uh, not experienced uh, orgasms mm-hmm. or that, or, and, or they fake it, uh, mm-hmm. or they have experienced it, but very seldom. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's just reality. Uh, people are not educated in terms of um, how to arouse a female body, for example. A lot of men tend to think that you can just go ahead and have penetrative sex mm-hmm. uh, without, you know, extended foreplay. And I hate to even call it foreplay. Like it should just be that most of the time, uh, mm-hmm. the foreplay <laughs> with, you know, uh, maybe or maybe yes, maybe no penetration, but it's just mm-hmm. like there's never really comprehensive relationship based sex ed to teach us that sometimes like healthy sexual intimacy can also be cuddles, can also be long kissing, mm-hmm. can also be like long eye contact, uh, touching, grabbing, and other things. That's not yes. just penetration. It's like the way we watch, like, you know, we watch a movie, it's always like, oh, they meet in the bar, their eyes locked, mm-hmm. and then they go home and then they can't wait to take each other's clothes off and then they just penetrate. Like, yeah. holy shit. There's like, no model. You know, that's the only, like, sexual narrative out there of how you should have passionate sex, which is so false. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, But it's like, <laughs> uh, a lot of people already think that that's the truth. So we're all we're both like you and I are both like undoing that kind of you know false narratives about love false narratives about sex relationship right yes absolutely absolutely I'm curious because I and this is a little bit different topic but thinking about feminine energy which I think there's other ways to say it, right? I know sometimes Mm -hmm. that it can come off as like a little bit woo woo. We talk too Mm -hmm. much about feminine energy, but to me, it's being able to release, to not be in control, to let go of anxiety, Mm -hmm. to, to allow yourself to really just receive from Mm -hmm. your partner. Mm -hmm. Um, Can we talk about how that energy really helps us in sex? Oh, hell yes. Uh, But I want to ask you first, like, what's your experience with expressed, like, femininity? Yeah, I I recently heard someone talking about being a feminine warrior. Mm -hmm. I was like, I can really relate to that. Yeah, I heard about that in my yoga class. I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... I I think like I spent a lot of time in my life as you can you know this like going through graduate school high achieving like 
hyper masculine energy for yeah. a long, long period of my life. Um, and that also translated to my sex life too, of not really yeah. allowing. I, I don't think I like allowed oral sex. Like mm-hmm. I did not let a guy go down on me for most mm-hmm. of my twenties. Mm-hmm. And I just, cause I just couldn't allow it. It just didn't mm-hmm. feel like it matched up with what I wanted or where I was. And for whatever reason, it didn't feel emotionally safe to me. Mm-hmm. But in really learning how to release and build that emotional safety, Mm -hmm. I feel like that really helped me step into that feminine energy, trusting energy, and really just allowing myself to receive more in my Mm -hmm. physical connection instead of always initiating or always being the one to make things happen for my partner. Right. It, It allowed me to, it allowed me to receive. I love that. I love that you felt, because I think a lot of people are in your shoes. Uh, similarly, like, you know, through our, our, my 20s, very similar to you, actually, like, you know, through graduate school and all of that, it was like, go, 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 go all the time and yeah. achieve, achieve, do this, like, do that, research, publish. It was always like very goal oriented. Like, I have always been extremely goal oriented mm-hmm. until recently where I had learned to... <laughs> again it sounds woo woo and i don't even know why we have to qualify this because it's fucking true uh allowing like the universe to also like guide me okay i've been going through a lot of um like spiritual uh, reawakening <laughs> yeah. uh, situation in which i love uh in the last i would say in the like i've always been girly uh i wouldn't say i exhibit like a lot of masculine energy per se, but definitely goal oriented. But in the last five, six years, I've really been going through this feminine energy. uh, Yeah. Re-exploration. Like how do I feel feminine and how do I express my femininity uh, in a way that also aligns with my feminist beliefs, right? Like uh, equal rights and all of that. Mm. How do I tread this water of like not feeding into the narrative that I need everyone to help me because I'm feminine, but no, like feminine warrior, right? Mm-hmm. I can be both feminine and strong and achieving the things that I put my mind to it. Uh, But yeah, that feminine part, I think a lot of high achieving women uh, will will need to (laughs) reintroduce it to themselves. Yeah. And yeah, I love that we can talk about this because I think it also helps with enjoying sex, right? And just allowing there to be playfulness I, this is terrible. I don't know if anybody listening has done this, but there was a time where I would look at a clock and I'd be (laughs) like, this has to be done within 20 minutes because I got to go do something. Uh Uh-huh. You know? Uh Gosh, girl, I did the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) But instead of time, I'm like, okay, I'm going to allow this for four songs because we're we're playing music. I'm like, okay, four songs. (laughs) 
like or all for one song <laughs> and then like <laughs> other things for another song and then penetration two songs we're done it's so funny when we think about that right because that kind of control and we have an agenda and it has yeah. to be done you know it's like that just takes away from the enjoyment and the connection and being present mm-hmm. so yeah i think that being able to step into that feminine energy place just allows you to enjoy it more. Yes. 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 What would you say is your first recommendation to someone that wants to explore their femininity? That's a good question. It's interesting. I think, um, honestly, I would say journaling and just like what you had talked about. I mean, I think people need to get clear of mm-hmm. why is it scary? Yeah. So for me, you know, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, just not being in control mm-hmm. felt scary to me just because of past experiences and things I went through growing up. And so really in my healing journey and really releasing my past, mm-hmm. that supported me in stepping into feminine energy. If I had just tried and like, Oh, I know what it is. Let me just try to do it. It wouldn't have felt safe to me. Mm -hmm. I really almost see it as the byproduct of really doing that internal work on ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I I got my first therapist when I was like, I think 25 and that was my first introduction to therapy before that, because I'm from Thailand, like no one gets therapy. If you get therapy, you have a problem. Like you're Mm -hmm. not, not just any problem. Like you're a problematic person. It's very taboo. Like it's still, it still is sadly. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so many things about my culture. That's so wonderful. Like, family oriented and like collectivism, caring for others, politeness, Thai food is really bomb. Yeah. (laughs) But the one thing that is super lacking is this like mental health uh, acceptance. Like Mm. there's not a lot of acceptance right now. I know that there are some really key people working towards like normalizing therapy, but it's still not. And yeah, I remember first working with my therapist in my, when I was 25 and I was already in America um, and like just thought, wow, this is, uh, (laughs) this is great. I just tell them everything that I've been keeping from everybody and really letting go of a lot of these things from my childhood, like you said. Yeah. And, and it's, it's powerful afterwards. And I definitely think that that was a great foundational work for me to embrace myself even more right now. Like, uh, in terms of femininity, like what I do for myself and I recommend to a lot of people, I think some of them have taken this uh, recommendation, some not, but uh, I meditate. Um, I meditate every single day, but not, not every day I s- do sexual meditation, but every day I meditate, it calms me down. It centers me. It makes me feel very grateful. And I, I tell everyone, like, it's not intense. Not everyone meditates 20 minutes. Like, even though, you know, some gurus say, like, you have to meditate for an hour. I'm like, no, you don't have to. Like, Mm -hmm. start short. Like, you can meditate for two minutes. You can meditate for five minutes. I meditate at least five minutes every day. And I think it's amazing. But one of the things that I 
have started trying two years ago is sexual meditation. I stumbled upon this um, uh, on like a guided meditation list. And there's a bunch of different things like emotional attachment, uh, passion, this and that. But there was one, one of them was sex. And I'm like, ooh, what's that? And so about two years ago, I started like listening to sexual meditation, which is like guided meditation, but the things that the, the guide is saying is sex related. And it makes me feel very sexual and my sexuality. And I mean, a part of the sexual like so- chakra is very, um, it feels very warm. Like it feels great inside. So then I realized like, wow, maybe this is one of the methods, one of the many methods of embracing your femininity and feminine energy is sexual meditation. I love that. That's it's so great. powerful. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm sure you already meditate, but like try mm-hmm. the sexual meditation stuff. It's pretty cool. <laughs> well, I'm thinking about how powerful our sexual energy is, that attractor energy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I oftentimes think about, you know, when we can feel attracted to ourselves, mm-hmm. just what a force that creates for us in our lives. Right. Like there's, there's something about that, that it really connects you to high self-worth and yeah, everything is easier. So anyways, I love what you're talking about with the sexual meditation. It's a, it sounds like a great way to tap into that energy. It is. It can be fun too, and there, there there's a couples one too to do with yeah, your partner. That's uh, great. If you want to kind of introduce yeah. a new activity, that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, I I know that there are some people listening who have experienced sexual trauma, mm-hmm. and that's just a reality. You know, it's is it one yeah. in five women who? Yeah, gosh, it sucks. It's, it's just. It's terrible. Uh-huh. And I know that there's some info out there, but I guess just in the work that you do and really learning to embrace your sexual identity, mm-hmm. what do you recommend to people who have sort of past trauma with that part of themselves? Mm-hmm. I think there's two, two schools of philosophy in which you can select what resonates with you in terms of embracing your sexuality uh, in your adulthood uh, when you have had um, sexual trauma experience. The first school of thought uh, is working through your trauma. And this can be with a therapist. Uh, It can be like self-healing, like journaling and getting journaling prompts and stuff like that. Uh, But working through your sexual trauma is kind of the first step in accepting what was, accepting what is, working towards what can be. Mm-hmm. So that's like the first school of thought is you have to work on your trauma, that like you, that it will be very difficult for you to embrace your sexuality fully and live a life full of sexual vitality uh, if you have not dealt with that. So that's kind of the first school of thought. It's like, go to therapy and work Mm -hmm. with it. Uh, The second school of thought in which some researchers are suggesting that this works as well (laughs) uh, is focusing on the now and focusing on the future through mindfulness activities. A lot of 
these like traumas can be extremely traumatic when bring up. Mm-hmm. And I think some researchers and practitioners don't believe in hashing things out. They think that we are we're okay as healthy adults, and healthy is is subjective. But uh, I guess mentally healthy young adult, it's okay to accept what is. Um, practice mindfulness. Uh, so like Dr. Lori Brado has a lot of uh sexual mindfulness experimental research data that shows uh not necessarily sexual trauma, but people that have sexual dysfunctions or sexual difficulties can do these mindfulness practices and they later report higher sexual satisfaction and relationship satisfaction. So it's kind of the second school of thought is accept that that was a part of your past, no need to rehash things, uh, work on the now and focus on growth mindset and the future. So that's the two schools. Yeah. Which one do you feel like resonates with you? <laughs> well, I really appreciate that, um, just that you explained both. And honestly, I think it depends on the person. I think yeah, it really is. You see these two paths and it really does depend on the person. I do, I do highly, highly believe in redirecting, kind of like positive psychology, but mm-hmm. re- redirecting some of our energy towards what we want. Mm-hmm. Um, because if we're so focused on what has happened, oftentimes that's what we're looking for in our environment, right? Our brain sort of looks to recreate those scenarios. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's just the science, right? So yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of power in refocusing on what, what you really want. Yeah. 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 I would say we're again, similar in that sense is that's kind of my philosophy, my personal philosophy. If I, you know, have a friend who wants to work on the past and of course, like I can, Hey, like I can recommend you to a therapist that I know of that is really good at kind of reworking, you know, that sexual trauma. Yeah. Um, like, but yeah, like I said, it's really, it's just preference, right? Is preference and my personal preference on my own journey is the second one, which is like positive psychology and focusing on the now and the future. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, There's so much we could talk about. I'm just looking at the time. This has been such a great conversation. Thank you for having me on here. And I'm excited to talk more uh, in depth about how attachment shows up in our lives uh, on love bites by dr tara podcast with dr morgan that's gonna be so fun i'm looking forward to it um let's definitely just tell the audience real quick how they can connect with you i know you just mentioned the podcast mention that again tell them (laughs) about your instagram how can people find you yes so Everything's on my website, uh, lovebites.co, L-U-V-B-I-T-E-S.co. My social media, both uh, Instagram and TikTok are lovebites.co. And then my podcast is Love Bites by Dr. Tara. Great. Thank you, Dr. Tara. I love it. You're on TikTok. I got to get on there. <laughs> it's We're, fun. Is it? You're so enjoying fun. it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I did one video and then I kind of gave up. So anyways, I need to get... <laughs> Need to get back on there. Um, Thank you for this wonderful conversation. I think this is going to be helpful to our listeners. Um, And I know that 
it's an ongoing topic. So who knows, we might have to have you back for an encore at some point. Wonderful. I'd love that. Thank you, Morgan. Thank you so much. And everyone listening, of course, you know, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. We'll talk to you soon. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram, Facebook, and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce. And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.